Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with all of you. Um, thanks for making time on the Sunday morning to pass up on a Dharma talk to chat with us today and uh, discuss the sort of health and well-being of our son. Um, so as we start off, uh, I might invite Peg just to frame and remind us of kind of how, our, how we're structured and why we're meeting in this way, and then we'll um, jump into a few things together. Okay, can everyone hear me? Well, I wanted to say a warm welcome to everyone today and uh, online and in person. It's a bright, cool day here in Wilmette. Um, the trees are brilliant and they're standing in pools of orange and gold and crimson as if they're being licked by flames. After this meeting, I'll be delivering homemade glazed pumpkin cookies to Miss Elliot and her folks. <laughs> I want, so very, it's very a Norman Rockwell here, you know. Um, I do want to give some heartfelt thanks to you, our Sangha, for attending today, for your ongoing support for Appamata, for your care for each other, and for holding our Sangha together faithfully through some difficult times. <clears throat> this way of life, caring for each other, <clears throat> and for the community, practicing together, learning together, celebrating together. <clears throat> and um, grieving together, sharing our lives with each other seems to me the best way of living in the world. I'm old enough to have tried or witnessed most of the others. So I say this with some confidence. As we deepen together our calm abiding in ethical foundations of the precepts, the practices of the six paramitas of generosity, morality, patience, vigor, concentration, and wisdom, we dwell in the divine abodes of loving kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. In doing so, simply by sitting together, we heal ourselves and we heal the world. All of this would not be possible without the energetic, mindful care of our entrusted Dharma teachers who offer themselves freely as wise allies and guides for each person's spiritual path, as well as the well-being of our community. Our entrusted teachers have trained diligently, studied deeply, practiced faithfully, and offered their hearts and minds and time out of pure generosity. We owe them our deepest gratitude and support. Further support and care is provided by our dedicated council members, experienced Sangha members meeting weekly to manage the many responsibilities for keeping this place functioning so smoothly, to deepen their understanding of the Dharma, to offer peer connection and support, and most of all, to be a brain trust whose diverse perspectives help us make wise decisions for the community. We do not have residents or priests to ensure there is a core of knowledge 
and practice that is faithfully conveyed year after year, generation after generation, and to serve as exemplars of our Zen way of living. In our model, the councils are the reservoir of goodwill, continuity, sincere practice, encouragement, and care for the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So we're so fortunate too to have a board that works so well together and that expertly handles the many administrative functions essential to Apamata, from insurance to bylaws, ethics policies, facilities, and most importantly, our finances, record keeping, financial well-being, reporting, and future prospects. The board has carefully tended Apamata. This has been a great challenge in COVID times, my move, and through the immense transition to our generosity model. Sangha members or newcomers might not know that each council has a member serving on the board, as well as the Dharma teachers who serve ex officio. This ensures ongoing natural communication and collaboration among the board, the councils, and the teachers. We have so many other roles that support our Sangha, in addition to the Zendo roles, such as Timekeeper or Monitor, the Flowers Group, Depth and Practice, the Rakasu Sewing Project, Buddhist Action Now, the Clearness Committee, our wonderful AV monitors, and extremely important in these times, our Sangha Health and Wellness Group that works to inform our best practices for keeping our community safe and well, especially in these pandemic times. So you can see the tremendous support offered freely for your practice and the community that is being provided out of the generosity and heartfelt practice of so many caring people. This is indeed the formless field of benefaction. I thank all of you for the light and warmth you bring to our community of Zen practice, for your care and support of each other, the many helpers, and for me. I spoke extensively about this model of social architecture in my last Dharma talk, so I won't review it here. You can view it on YouTube, I think. So may we all recognize that we are worthy of this care and carry its light out into the rest of our lives. And thank you, Nate, especially, for your wise and caring leadership as president of the board. So I'll turn things over to you now. for the generosity of so many and i'm delighted that you're going to hear from several folks on the board today uh, just about some of the things that we're up to uh, and also have a chance to engage with the teachers and have some q a towards the end for anything that's kind of bubbling up for you so folks who are in the room uh, i printed out a simple agenda just to show you where we're headed and also printed out the slides that Mia is going to refer to as we walk through our financial state just so you have those in front of you um, as I was, I was hunting for a Dale Wright quote to sort of kick things off, and I couldn't find it. I found another one that was really good. So I thought I'd share that just to get us going today. Um, in his book, The Six Perfections, he writes of generosity and brilliantly. Uh, but he has this lovely quote. The perfection of giving incorporates the wisdom of emptiness to transform the perspective from which acts of giving occur. When the impermanence, dependence, and insubstantiality of all things are observed down to the level of daily comportment, everything changes. 
I love that sort of potential for generosity to be the catalyst for changing everything. And I think that to me, as I've been working closely with the board uh, and with councils, um, has been really resonating. So I just offer that as we get started. And uh, before I turn it over to Q and Carolyn to talk a little bit about our generosity model, um, I also want to remind everyone that you are welcome to join us at our board meetings if there are things that you'd like to bring to the fore uh, that you're concerned about in terms of our permanent home or things in our financial matters, you're welcome to join us. You can look on the calendar and see our board meetings are every third Tuesday, every third Tuesday of the month. Um, and so if you're interested, just email me or any board member and we'll make some time for you. So, Carolyn and Q, would you like to share a little bit about the generosity model? Hi. Hello? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, good morning, everyone. I, um, I want to start just by thanking everyone for being here. I know that the discussing all of the nuts and bolts of keeping the community thriving isn't, isn't always the most interesting or exciting part of our practice, but it is so important. Um, this is the chop water carry wood stuff that sustains us in the long term. And as you know, uh, or may not know, we recently moved to a generosity model to support our community's activities. And this has been an incredible opportunity to practice together while we're accomplishing two really important community goals. And the first of those goals is that we wanna ensure, as Peg said, that our teachers are cared for fairly and compensated for the time they spend with us um, and away from their other people and activities in their lives. And um, that's not to say that this, this work and that their gifts to us are transactional in nature, but that we, as a Sangha, have decided that um, this is how we demonstrate the value of what our teachers are bringing to us in our community. Uh, second, we wanna make sure that all of our offerings at Apamata are fully accessible to anyone and everyone. And the generosity model allows everyone to contribute you know, what they can without placing barriers um, to participation in front of people who they just may not have the same amount to contribute, you know, financially to, to attend events and things like that. And so now I'm gonna turn over to Carolyn and she's gonna go a little bit into how the generosity model um, really accomplishes those two goals. Good morning, friends. Um, yeah, so we on the board have really been using the generosity model as a practice. And so that's what we want to invite you all to, to expand your thinking about generosity as a practice. And the practice, like the model incorporates what we think are three main areas where practice manifests as a Sangha member. One, so these are time, talent, and treasure. And treasure is financial giving. So time is it's an expansive way to think about it. It's, you know, am I going to show up to Zazen? Am I gonna show up in person? When a friend reaches out in need, am I gonna make the time to see that friend, to talk to that Sangha member? Am I gonna to go to some of the activities, the intensives? Like, where am I gonna show up to the community? That's the time. And each of us has a different definition of what that's gonna look like. 
during, depending on the time of your life. And then talent, talent is we all, like we're on the board, we all said we have skills that we can give and want to contribute to the Sangha in a unique way. The council members have skills that they have all come forward and said, I want to, from, from all that is within me, contribute to this amazing Sangha. And so talent is, are there ways in which you have unique skills that you feel so moved to wanna to contribute to creating and sustaining and growing this beautiful Sangha we have? And then last, it's treasure. And treasure is financial giving. So financial contributions really are an expression of the energy of Donna. And, and really, when you look at the generosity model, this is all a practice. It's just an extension of a practice opportunity. Um, it, it really, it's a way to connect us with others and with ourselves. And it, it really creates, generosity creates a relationship between the giver and the receiver. And I've had to toy around a lot with this. Like, what does that mean? I also say, gosh, what am I receiving? And from all that I've received, now what do I want to bring forward and give? And in what ways do I want to give from that just amazing receiving that I have been getting for years and years and years from this Sangha? But this is also a really interesting practice for all of us to say, where are we closed? Where are we holding back? Where do we feel our fear in terms of the time we're willing to give, an expression of our talent, or giving away some of our finances? So we really can use this as a practice opportunity to learn what keeps us from being generous. And we take on the practice to see where we resist it. So this has been an expansion of our Sangha, taking this bold move of moving into this generosity model and we hope that you'll join us in seeing it as an expansion of your practice. It, it is it just a whole different light when you look at it that way. And so now we're gonna turn it over to Mino, who's gonna um, tell us a little bit more about our financial status. Thanks, Carolyn. <clears throat> um, thank you for framing that, I, um, and especially for bringing up the the practice of it um i know that my first experience of a of this sort of um model sort of the inspiration that peg brought to us was of a vipassana center that she attended uh, or in, insight meditation center that was just purely donation and that was my first experience with a a retreat years ago before I ever came to Akamata where it was, it was a Vipassana center and they said, you can give nothing or you can, you know, if you're called to give something, give something. And that is challenging. So we're stepping into this practice of, of uh, what does generosity mean to us and what does financial giving mean to us potentially and, and other kinds of giving. Um, so I'm going to give a, a, uh, High level, high level overview of our, our year and where we started out the year, looking forward and, and where we are so far. And I'm, it is high level, so um, I apologize if there's, it's quick. And um, know that you can always request uh, 
full financial reports from me or the board. Those are publicly available. We're figuring out how to do that smoothly in the digital age. They used to live in a binder and study. <laughs> uh, but you can always email me and I can give you whatever you want to look at in, in more depth. Um, and maybe we'll have a Q&A time as well, so you can ask questions. Um, so I think the last time I spoke to you was in January or February when we were trying, we had our new budget for 2022 and we we're trying to incorporate the generosity model into that budget for the first time. Um, and we were looking forward to um, a year that had some uncertainty in it. Uh, we were still, we were in the midst of, I can almost not even remember which variant at that point. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, in person was closed, um, in person Zendo was closed, and uh, we were also launching this generosity model. So um, we built a budget that uh, took that model into effect, and so that had some very like, practical implications for our budget, and it increased our budget um, as we looked to pay teachers and compensate them. Um, within that model, but the board felt uh, comfortable doing that because we had been sort of had positive cash flow over the last several years before that and, and seen this trend of, of giving and generosity within the song that was already this foundation for us to launch this model. So the board decided to, um, to approve this budget and knowing that within the budget was the potential to have to rely this year on um, some of our cash reserves if, if it came to that to sort of get this model into flight and um, thinking that the, the Sango would step up to help support our teachers. So it was sort of a leap into the unknown, but also a leap into this practice of generosity. So it was kind of exciting. Um, I wanted to uh, also just talk about some of the kinds of expenses. Um, is, it, is it possible to play the slides for the, is it easy, easy to play the slides on yeah. the Zoom? Maria, I shared the slides with you. I emailed them to you, so if you're able, that might work. Well, I could do it in a moment because I haven't received them, so I'll have a look. I shall have a look. Mm -hmm. So um, I just wanted to say some of the things that Akamata, that are our expenses, because when we talk about our, our budget, um, it's, it's a big number. And you might wonder what we are spending things on, but we pay, <laughs> we, we, we pay for rent and for upkeep of the building um, and, and things in the building. Uh, we have a, uh, a housekeeper who comes. We rent the parking lot down the street for, for overflow parking. Um, we uh, have computer expenses, Zoom licenses, uh, new tech that can get set up for us, uh, professional fees like bookkeeping and accounting that we pay for uh, both regularly, monthly and annually. We have special events that we put on. Um, where Akamata as an organization is able to sort of be the host and, and provide delicious food and um, rent event spaces. Uh, we have our insurance uh, through the board. And then the big new thing is these teacher payments. So 
we've sort of got this whole uh, whole budget, and uh, and we look at that annually, um, and we're we're kind of coming into that season again where we're looking at it as a board. So uh, it's a good time to reflect back on how the generosity model has been going so far. Thank you, Maria. Um, maybe we could skip forward to the the fourth slide. So this year, as we've watched things unfold, um, we have 40, as of the end, all, this, all the numbers that I'm gonna say are from the end of September, just to have a clean line, a 42% increase in the number of donations this year over last year, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And we've, um, there, I'll say that like nine months, maybe even isn't enough time to, start to see trends, but, or to, to know if it's a, a real trend or if it's an anomaly. Um, but that's, that's really encouraging. We've had some special events this year and we've had expenses for that and we've had donations for that. We had uh, the Dharma transmission celebration in the spring. Um, so there's a lot there, but that's when we started to see that as a board within the last few months, it was really encouraging. Um, so as of September 30th, we had $86,000 in, in contributions this year. Um, and that's uh, compared to about 61,000 uh, by that same time last year. So not the total for the year, but just the, the first three quarters. Um, on, a month, on a monthly basis, we have an average of uh, 58 individual contributors, um, some of whom give once in a month or, or sporadically, and some, some, a lot of whom are regular monthly contributors. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's like an, that's our foundation. Um, we, I think we talked about this a bit in last winter, but uh, there's no, you know, this practice is, there's no one like right way to do it. And uh, monthly contributions work for some people, one-off contributions work for some people, uh, we, as a board, don't want to tell people how to give, but um, or what to give. That's the whole practice of it. So <laughs> it's a little nebulous, but uh, but that's that's just our average, um, both of recurring donations and of one-time donations, uh, and and sort of uh, it's encouraging to see that as well. Uh, the expenses have continued sort of as expected with, with our budget. Um, there. Uh, we're doing teacher stipend payments, um, and we have had $98,000 in expenses this year so far. So um, you'll notice that those two numbers are, that the expenses so far this year have um, surpassed the income. Uh, there, again, sort of there's this month-by-month -month variability uh, where our expenses are really, our expenses vary, but tend to be more steady than the income. We have low, often low donations in the summertime, tends to be a trend, um, a little higher at the end of the year. So that's something that we're watching, but um, there's, again, there's so much variability that we're, uh, we're, we're watching it, but we, we don't know if that's a trend yet. Um, and it's, it's still within the, uh, it's within our budgeted amount for the year because we budgeted to use some of our cash reserves this year. So we, we feel 
um, we still feel like we're on solid footing there, even though we're at a net negative income at, at this point in the year. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a clock in front of me, so I'll keep, I'll keep cruising. Uh, can we have the next slide, please? So here's a little chart um, that is, this is sort of a, so again, this is just at the end of September. So um, it's sort of a dynamic chart that we look at every month as a board, um, just to visually sort of see where, where our income is falling relative to, um, where our expenses are falling relative to our income, relative to our budget. Uh, so there's a few lines on here. Um, the, the blue bar is our income. The red line, or sorry, is our expenses. Um, the red line is our income at that same point in the year where this chart was made. And the yellow line is the expected um, break-even point. So if it all month by month, uh, which is the average of what we expect to need each month in terms of um, our income, uh, that yellow line would be where we would be at, if that makes sense. Um, and then the green line at the top is the amount that we had budgeted to use this year if we needed to, including our cash reserves. So um, the you can see that we're there, that we are past the amount of income that we have at this point in the year. This is, you know, uh, there's still a few months to go. Um, but we are still have a good cushion of what we had expected and anticipated to use if we needed to. So, um, yeah. So this last slide, um, sort of been doing this all along um, as I've been rambling, but uh, the board's always looking at, at how this is going and we, part of this meeting is to, to bring you all into that as well and um, have you be aware of how this model is going. Um, we still have all these things that are in flux in our lives. We've only been reopened for you know, a, a couple seasons. Um, and the board is inspired by the, the giving that we've seen this year. So we're, we're really optimistic about this new model and we're um, grateful for all the donations and that we've been able to pay the teachers um, and, and compensate them in a way that, you know, is uh, Akamata really sort of stepping up and, and doing what we've, we've always wanted to be doing, which is compensating our teachers and, and being able to provide this space for everyone. Um, but the board continues to pay close attention to it all. Um, and as we look forward to next year, uh, sort of consider what, what, does, what does our budget look like? Um, what are trends that we're seeing in, in terms of the giving? And we're keeping an eye on that. Um, and in the meantime, this is the sort of like uh, practical numbers part of it, um, but it's all part of this generosity practice that we're, you know, here in inviting you all into. So, um, 
Yeah, that, we know that goes beyond finances, but we, we want to keep you uh, keep you up to date on all this too. Thank you. Uh, it, it may seem like nine months into the year, three quarters into the year. It feels like a weird time to look at finances. Um, but actually, it's really helpful for us at this juncture to pause and say, how are we doing right before we go into budgeting for the upcoming year? So uh, as we head into the Q&A a little bit later, if there are questions or things that you're wondering about or pushes you have for us, uh, the board in particular really welcomes those so that we can have that input as we set the task designing the budget for the upcoming year as well. Um, and I really want to thank Carolyn and Q and Nino and all the folks on the board and the just this tremendous skill set that they're offering. Um, we're so lucky to have these folks who can engage. Um, I thought this would be a good time to give you some updates about our working groups and invite you to contribute. And I know Peg is going to invite you to contribute as well and give an update here as well. So we have two working groups that the board is sponsoring. The first one is winding down, and that was our investment working group. So a while back, um, as many of you may know, uh, we were gifted a sizable requ uh, bequest from Robin Riso. Um, and we have been in the process of looking for a partner who would help us be good stewards of those resources and future resources down the line. And, and after a a very thorough process and in interviewing a host of folks. We landed on partnering with the NEF group who are here in town, uh, who will be our investment partners going forward. Um, and we landed on them in part because they are a very established company who manages billions upon billions of dollars and does good work. Um, but also because they were very open and curious about attending to our values and how we invest our money. And they were very attentive and listening to our concerns going forward, even at the outset as, a, as we engage in this tricky world of finance. Um, and the big wigs at play, so Brad, who's one of the, the senior players, sat down and talked with us about our piddly half million dollar investment, which in a portfolio of billions is a drop in the bucket for that. And he has been completely responsive and attentive to us at every question. And so we felt really good about engaging with them. Um, so right now, uh, they are in the process of reviewing uh, the board's documents, our policies, so that they have a sense of what our guidance is so that they can assemble a set of recommendations for us of how to invest. Um, when I spoke with Brad last, he, last, he said, well, with the market as it is, we can take our time. <laughs> so we are not missing out on anything at the moment. Um, so that gives he and his team uh, an opportunity to sort of review what our aspirations are uh, and then slowly enter the market over time into, uh, into funds that really reflect our values, um, would honor Robin's um, aspirations and serve us uh, in the middle to long term. So that's one thing. And I just wanted to thank the folks on the board and Shish and Joan and John Eric who were part of that process of selecting those folks. 
The second um, working group that we have is a property search working group, which we're about to sort of resuscitate and add some energy into. Um, we're not going anywhere, just to be clear. We have renewed our lease. Anelda has been a wonderful landlord to us. Uh, and we have a six month lease that started in October and will continue until March. Uh, and we will continue to renew either a six month or year long clip for the foreseeable future. Um, the intent here is really to get clear about what kind of space and home does Apamata need over the long term. And so that if we find ourselves in a position needing to move or an opportunity arises that we're clear about what it is that we're looking for and that we've got lots of input from the summer. So um, this all started uh, a while back as Peg moved to Chicago and we were kind of in the throes of trying to decide could we buy this place or not buy this place? What's all uh, in the best interest of the summer? Um, and so we started an AI process with Jessica led a while back. And then for a while, we've kind of been sitting awake and comfortable uh, with our lease agreements and everything else. And so now the, the next step will be to just invite some participation from the broader Sangha. So Jessica has offered her skill sets as a qualitative researcher to help design a survey uh, for us to get some information from everyone in the Sangha. Uh, to say, here's what we think our home should be. What features should it have? When are we most alive? And what does it look like to dwell in the space? So again, we have no urgency in moving any point soon, but we do want to be thoughtful and careful about how we plan for the future and for our space. Um, so after this meeting, uh, we will be sending out uh, a survey with an opportunity to participate in that way. So we'd love to hear your feedback and you'll see some questions that for those who are familiar with an appreciative inquiry approach that leverage that uh, style of engagement. So look for that in your inboxes soon uh, after this meeting. Um, and I know that Peg, you wanted to update folks about the book work and the studio work. Yes, yes, uh-huh. Um, just, just a few minutes. Um, First of all, this is just a little short update on the book project we're working on in Studio One. So our working title is Not Two, The Appamata Story. Although this was originally conceived as a single author history and operating manual for Appamata, it's been expanded to include the re reflections of Sangha members, images and photos, and introduction to some of the ideas and contemporary teachings that have informed the evolution of Appamata. The studio will help coordinate this extraordinary collaboration, as well as helping shape the project itself. So we're aware that in print form, we'll be pretty limited in how many of these things can be included. So the long range plan includes a web platform where we can include everything that you provide and update the story as it continues. But first, the book or series of little books. So, and for this, um, we'll be inviting you to share for the book some of your own experiences and reflections of Appamata. So to keep this slightly manageable, we'll organize them around a series of prompts, which we'll send out via email. We'll ask you to just put your responses in a reply so that it'll be as simple as possible. So just reply to that email for you and for us gathering and organizing them. 
Please don't feel obligated to respond. There may be some prompts that don't really have much to do for you. And you may have something you'd like to share that's not based on one of the prompts. It's just in, intended to sort of help us organize these, uh, these reflections. If you keep a journal, you may find, as I have, that you can use it as a memory bank. So at the moment, I'm building a timeline for Appamata in a program called Timeline 3D. Um, and finding my journal is a great corrective to my memory lapses. Uh, so in any event, we hope you'll participate by responding to the prompts if you wish. We're also setting up a form for submitting any photos or images you'd like to add to the project so that we can include, uh, for example, um, the credit for the photographer, the dates, what kinds of events um, they, they are. So if you'd like to share any photos, there'll be an opportunity to do that also. And we'll send something out about that. So in addition to the insider perspectives and coordination provided by the Studio One folks and you, the Sangha, I'm working with a small group of six people as a masterclass with Jeffrey Davis, who's a very renowned writing coach. So this will provide valuable guidance from Jeffrey, as well as the outsider perspectives of an interested audience who know little or nothing about Appamata or Zen. So this has already proven to be a tremendously generative and demanding experience. So for example, we have to provide profiles of at least four of our heroes, that is our intended readers or audience um, that might be interested in our project. And almost immediately I had seven of those and they're um, it's, it's very fun to do those profiles because you're really thinking about writing for a specific person. Um, so uh, these are fictional, but they're sort of amalgams of people I know and have known as a result of being in the Sangha. So, so in any event, that's our, uh, that's our status so far. Things are going really, really well. I have one year working with Jeffrey and um, he's really, he's working us very hard. So it's great. It keeps the project. That's my update on the project. So all sorts of cool opportunities to engage and participate. Um, wanted to see if there's any notes um, from the trusted teachers as well before we head into Q and A. I think Joel's up there. I know Joel's too. out there, although I can't see him right now. <laughs> so I'm just going to start talking, Joel. <laughs> you can chime in. So uh, hello and welcome from myself, Joel and Lori. Uh, thank you for your participation, and um, we, I think one of the things that we just wanted to update the Sangha on is our, our uh, ongoing work to transition into our roles as teachers and try and uh, make the offerings that are available uh, enlightening for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, um, Peg and Flint had already have always done a good job of doing long range planning every year where they would map out every year's worth of uh, classes and intensives and publish those and make those available. We've been tumbling a little bit as the entrusted teachers figure out how to take that over and how to work with Peg and Flint, but we just want to let you know that we've heard the feedback from the saga that um, some longer range planning would be welcomed and more beneficial to allow you guys to plan your engagement. So we've been working on that and we'll be publishing a list of everything that's coming up in the next six months shortly, including 
web page on the website for upcoming events so that you can you can map out the year and see when in classes and intensives are available. So we should have that ready to send out to you in the next few days, but I'll, I'll just tell you what the, uh, the next six months look like here for a moment. So we'll have a, a one day sit. So we offer one day sits or what are sometimes called Zazen Kai, basically a one day intensive, sometimes starting with a little kickoff the evening before. We try and offer those about uh, every other month or so, you know, four to six times a year. So the next one will be December 2nd and 3rd. And Lori will be conducting that one. On December 11th, we'll have a special Sunday program for the Buddha's Enlightenment Ceremony. So some of you may have witnessed those in the past. It's a lovely way to mark the occasion and kind of continue your practice intention. Um, in January, uh, at the end of January, January 26th, there will be to the 29th, there will be a full three day intensive. When we say full, we mean <coughs> early in the morning to late at night uh, at Apamata, all day intensive and sitting. That will also, um, it'll be offered as a hybrid offering, of course, which we intend to try and do all the time. And that will mark the beginning of the next practice period, which is roughly a 90 day um, opportunity to um, sign up for the practice period to kind of set an intention for intimate practice during that time. There'll be another one day sitting in February. The date on that one has not yet been uh, not locked down yet. And then in April, I believe the second to the fourth, if I'm right, Peg, Peg and Flint will be offering an integrated intensive. Second to the eighth. Second to the eighth, I'm sorry. Second to the eighth, so. Yeah, because in, on the ninth, we'll have the Jukai ceremony. Right. Yeah, so uh, the question was, where will the integrated intensive be conducted from? Apamata. Uh, integrated intensives, if you don't know, are... Uh, um, Todd, both Flint and I will be there in person. Yes, excellent. So integrated intensives are um, a different format for an intensive where we begin sitting together in the mornings uh, with Zazen and to establish uh, your intent for the day, for your practice. And then you, we um, shepherd you or excuse you out into your normal daily life to go to work, family, school, job, whatever you do during, during your normal day. And then inter trying to integrate that work of being, bring that mindful awareness uh, from an intensive out into the world. And then we regroup together in the evening. So it's an opportunity both to practice and to practice with working with your everyday life and have it integrate with what you normally do day to day. So Peg already mentioned the Jukai ceremony on the 9th that will conclude that. And then we're also looking to do, um, you know, a, another intensive near the end of April that would mark the end of the practice period. Some of the details on that are still being worked out. <clears throat> 
so that that's a rough look at the next six months. We're also um, we're also asking anyone who's interested in participating in the next year-long precepts program to please register their interest. There is a, an interest form that was sent out via email that we can resend along with the agenda of activities. So Joel will be connecting, conducting next year's ongoing year-long precepts program, which is a wonderful way to slowly unpack the precepts and see how they flow in your daily life. So we highly encourage people to sign up for that one. And then I know Joe, uh, Lori is working on a, a possible class or workshop, but I think it was a little early to announce anything there. Yeah, it'll be in the spring probably. Yes. Coordinate that with others. All right, so Joe, Lori, anything I missed or that you'd like to add? Oh. I'll go first um, and say thank you, Todd, for the presentation. I do want to encourage people who have uh, not taken the precepts. Uh, that's a, a dwindling group at Apamata. So many people have taken the precepts, and it's a, a wonderful thing for, for Apamata that, they, that we have this dual grounding in regular practice and in ethical practice that uh, Peg started uh, with Flint so long ago. and. Todd has been leading for several years, uh, and I'm really looking forward to leading uh, over the next year. Uh, and as Todd says, there's a there's a sign up form uh, which Todd will send out the reminder for, uh, and we will start it soon after the first of the year. Um, and if you haven't taken the precepts, it's a it's a wonderful course of study. If you have taken the precepts. You're welcome to to uh, drop in or to to retake the class or to just drop in for those parts that seem interesting to you. I personally took portions of the or, or, or participated in the precepts class in on three different years and it's very beneficial for me. So thank you. Yeah, I don't have anything to add specifically. I think you pretty well covered it, Todd. <clears throat> I'll have more specifics on the thing in the spring, the uh, workshop, and then um, the specifics on the one day will be coming up soon. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, now we have a kind of open space just for Q&A for anybody, the board, for teachers. What's on your mind? There are things that you uh, are curious about. Yeah, we have Rosemary online. Or, oh, sorry, I think Anne raised a hand as well. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned in the budget that that the board or Alpamata itself is responsible for the upkeep of this building. Is that right? Um, I not. Uh, there's things that fall within, you know, our, okay, so our lease, and then there's there's things that we take care of within the building. Or, okay. Yeah, it's not. Um, okay. We, we it's we're not entirely responsible for that. It's a, a typical landlord yeah. arrangement, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking about the painting of the outside. Yeah. Thank you. So Rosemary had her 
Hi, um, and a heartfelt thanks to all of you and, and the incredible amount of work that I know that it takes to um, operate an organization like, like Appamon and all the th thought and work that goes into it. Um, so um, there was just a question about the precepts. If uh, I think, um, Joel, you said beginning uh, at the beginning of the year, is that what you were saying? Uh, Rosemary, uh, we have not set a date yet, but I'm thinking late January or early February. Okay, thanks. Um, and then I just wanted to, um, as someone who um, obviously participates um, only online, except for the one time I was able to come and visit you, um, just I, I like to think of our, of the Sangha as one Sangha. And um, the um, online format as a gateway, not as people, not as a group of people, um, but as a, a, a format that um, some people find convenient to use, and others like like me, um, we um, that that's not not our choice. It actually is not my choice, but it's that's what I have to do. Um, so anyway, just the thought of it's one sangha. It's not um, this group and that group. Um, it's something that I cultivate within myself to um, to think about and um, uh, embody, I guess. So I just wanted to put that out there as an aspiration. Thank you. Who knew Zoom would become a Dharma gate? Exactly. Exactly. I see it as a gateway, not as a group of people. And I, it's just... Yes, it's a gateway. Yeah, exactly. It's a Dharma gate. Thank you. Looks like Nelda has her hand up. Where's she gone? She's disappeared. <laughs> Click the wrong button, maybe. I'll find her. There we go. There she is. <laughs> You and all of us on Zoom and in the Zendo, I just want to address Anne's question because, um, yes, the exterior of the house uh, needs painting badly. Um, that was actually scheduled to be done before Peg's arrival, um, but the scheduling with the painters work out. It's now scheduled to happen sometime this month, depending on weather. And since um, we can't control that, um, the hope is it gets done this November, this month. I say this month, I meant November. And if weather permitting it, if not, then unfortunately, it'll have to wait till spring. So mm -hmm. that's the update. That's, so, all, that's all I have. So you mean to say it badly needs painting, not it needs painting badly. Oh, it's the English teacher and me. Leave it to the professor of rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, it, it needs it needs to be painted now. <laughs> Thank you. I had one other thing about I wanted to clarify for folks that may not know that maybe somebody can go over, Todd, maybe you can go over, or Joel can go over taking the precepts class and then receiving jukai and how one doesn't exactly equal the other depends on the person 
Peg, would you like to explain that? Absolutely. Um, so the precepts program is a one-year program. You explore the precepts in depth. And because we do one precept per month, you have an opportunity to, to really reflect on where they show up in your own life and in your own um, practice. So at the end of the precepts program year, we have a ceremony where people can voluntarily, if they wish, formally take the precepts um, in a completion ceremony for the precepts program. The formal jukai ceremony is um, done when someone completes a rakasu as part of their uh, precept study program or afterwards. Um, and that rakasu, as you can see, Anna's wearing and as Todd is wearing, um, is then given to the teacher who inscribes and puts seals on the back. Um, and then it's presented to them in a ceremony that is the formal Jukai ceremony in which you receive lineage papers that, um, that are, yes, uh, are a direct connection between you and the Buddha. So they show um, our lineage in a kind of diagrammatic way. We also include the women's lineage and your personal lineage, spiritual lineage. So, um, so that ceremony is very formal. Um, our, um, Precept completion ceremony draws some elements from that formal Jukai ceremony. So that gives you a little bit of a taste of it. So if you attend the precepts completion ceremony, you'll have a little flavor of the Jukai ceremony, but there's a lot more um, sort of moving parts to the Jukai ceremony. And then the Rakasus are uh, returned to the community for a year where they circulate and pe people who have taken the precepts can wear them. When they come in, they can take one and wear it. And so it just becomes permeated with the life of the community. And at the end of the year, it's returned to the person who sews it. And Anne is the one who's been leading up so expertly our sewing program uh, together with John Miller, who's also been helping with the folks online, especially. So anything else you want to say about that, Anne? Um, thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Any other questions for the board and the teacher? Uh, I'd just like to say thanks for uh, doing this and giving us the opportunity to ask questions and get a little bit more information. Uh, I'd like to know, um, like, the long-term financial plan for Appamata, is it based uh, just donations? And there, I think there was mention of a, a large bequest that's being uh, managed as an investment, is that basically the plan to rely on those two sources? Yeah, so it's our, the, the um, we think of all of that as, as dana, right, as uh, contributions from the Sangha. Um, we will not to receive those particular requests, but we will continue to be donation driven uh, as long as we continue to exist. So. From that standpoint, there isn't really a long-range plan um, because long-range plans are fictional anyway. There, uh, there is a sense of how we want to continue to support the evolution of Appamata, which is an organic process. So we're always looking at where, what space we're moving into, um, what needs are arising uh, in a way that 
uh, gives us some flexibility and we're not nailed into some template that um, that isn't going to serve us very well. The um, financial conditions are extremely, extremely, extremely unpredictable. So we're trying to be good stewards of resources that we have and look at how we can best use them uh, as the Sangha continues to evolve. But that I see as an organic process. <clears throat> we have Carolyn online. Oh, she's disappeared as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've got some gremlins going on. Still here. Um, and I just wanted to respond to, so it's interesting. One of the reasons I wanted to participate in the board is I, I came, I come from a background of 15 years of fundraising, just like Joel. So we worked together at UT Austin. Um, and partly we do see we, we why we can we can't predict the long-term finances of Apamata. We are beginning to really bring energy and spirit into what does it look like into all the myriad of ways that people can give. Because right now it's more like through PayPal monthly gifts, or you can give a one-time gift, then even several times a year. But we are going to try to bring even more sophisticated means for bequest giving, um, for other avenues of giving, um, inspired by other groups that have used a generosity model like ours. So please look forward to it. I mean, I even have a vision for more information on a website at some point that gives you all sorts of different ways that you can creatively think of, you know, could I give through my IRA? Could I give through different, different means? So that should help us craft more of a long-term vision too for supporting this incredible foundation. And maybe just a gentle reminder that uh, something like Amazon, as it becomes more embedded in our daily lives and spending for things like groceries and deliveries, it's very easy to set up Apamata as the charity of benefits so that you end up giving seamlessly. I always look forward to Peg's emails with this, <laughs> how much we've gotten from that. And always she just says, yay, exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's under smile um, at Amazon and you can select any charity that you want. Um, and it does, it just, they just make a tiny contribution for every purchase that you make, but it doesn't tend to add up over time and over the many sort of ways that we use Amazon. So it's an easy way. Um, I'd just like to say something, if that's okay. I was there somebody else. We've got one hand on the Zendo too. I was just gonna offer up um, for the board as well. Um, as you guys explore maybe next year, adding stuff to the website, adding things like that, that's what I do for my living. Ah. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but online conversion flows, businesses, all that kind of stuff, built apps, all that, so. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, yeah, I was just gonna, I mean, it's, it's just going off um, the back of what 
Rosemary was saying as well is that the online presence for Appamada is expanding <laughs> and it's been growing since the since the pandemic and I think we've discussed it a little bit with Peg before about developing an online a, a council for online but for me there was also something about it being important for um that there'd been uh, online councils been integrated in the on-site councils if you like for things like um preparing for intensives and how do we prepare an intensive that not only relates to people on site but really is really inclusive of people online how do we make it more online friendly and on-site friendly so it feels more of a, a coming together than online watching an on-site intensive you know there's so many ways that we can adapt to to make it more inclusive and, and online friendly in that way and for people that come to the Zendo, I mean, I, I've got to know so many people that come to the Zendo all the time and, the, and that come online. And for people that come to the Zendo to also maybe once a month attend something online so that there's more of an integration going on between the two. Because I found, because I see people in the Zendo and online, I've become really integrated in Appamada and feel like a whole member. You know, there's no difference to me for online and offline, it, it really does feel like I've embodied and become a part of, of Appamada and really got the essence of, of, of you all that I see online in the Zendo. You know, I've really got to know you and the, my practice has deepened because of that, you know, and because of how we, it's such a shared practice, isn't it? It's such a relational practice. And it's just been an amazing experience being part of it for, for the two and a half years of coming nearly every day to sitting and and how that really begins to get into your body and and just but but how i've also noticed that by no intention sometimes the online people aren't related to in a way that that could be improved mm. it could be a way that we could improve the way we relate to people online to make them feel more in, inclusive and you know simple examples are things like when you have people in an intensive sitting with the back to the camera right up to the camera those little tiny things that make a difference to how somebody feels about being included and present and and i think people online if they're integrated in the organizing of, of intensives can really um share that that kind of sense that they get and those little things that can be changed that um people might not have an awareness that only attending the zendo you know they won't have that that same awareness they just won't be aware of it and i think it's have an integration of councils online offline as well as an online council possibly to really begin to share make it more of a shared experience between online and offline and so that we're not online offline we're just appamada you know so that was thank you that's all i had to share just that really but i've really felt it i've really you know it's been a wonderful experience it's such a wonderful place to practice and I do feel like I know every inch of that Zendo, <laughs> <laughs> including where the Dana box is. <laughs> Thank you. Conscious of time, we're a smidge over already, so it'd be good to wind down, but um, please do, as you have other questions that arise or reach out to me for the board or any of the board members, you can find our contact information on the website. Uh, and obviously you reach out to teachers as you have questions, but thank you so much for your, your care and your generosity. Um, professionally, I work with lots of organizations and I can tell you this place is unusual uh, in the best way. 
So um, I just thank you so much for your care and uh, we're so delighted to be a part of it.